Well, Joe, we got some good stuff happening today. I know. Super excited. Super exciting people today. Um, why weren't you at At The Pest? Because I'm lame and middle-aged and have kids. It and- was so <laughs> much fun. That's what I hear. No, it really was. I tell you what, I um, pulled up the schedule to see who I wanted to see, and there were so many bands. Somebody told me there was 200 bands. That's They insane. expanded to Hendershots. They expanded to Livewire, um, plus, you know, Globe. I mean, there is yep. – Hender- um, I already said Hendershots. But still, between the stages and everything – and so I had to I, – I downloaded the app so that I could press each little thing and not have to go in the flagpole and right. read it. And well, I, usually it's ridiculously hot from the first day, but it only got ridiculously hot on the last day. Oh, it was – yeah, it was pretty hot sa- Saturday, but it wasn't anywhere near Sunday. I mean, it was hot. It really was. That could a have lot been of another reason why I didn't Oh, yeah, show yeah, up. right, right. <laughs> I'm a fragile flower. I I just um I mean I saw people. That's a really wonderful place to come to see Athfest because honestly there are people of all ages here. Yes. The people that were seeing bands that I didn't expect to see band that were, I mean I'm kind of old myself, but much more older than me. We're we're coming to see some of the rock bands and and things. Were there any walkers? Uh, no, walkers, no walkers. A, a few canes. A few canes. A few well, canes. That's all right. Um, but I really could not believe. I didn't know where all these bands had come from, which is why we do this podcast. Yeah. Because you discover more and more music that's here. Yeah, I, I really should have made an effort to come out. I mean, it's the festivals really where you you know you discover some of your favorite favorite bands. Um, I remember going to Shaky Knees in Atlanta, and and it was. Um, I think that's where I first saw Shaky Graves. Mm-hmm. And you turned me on to Shaky Graves. Well, yeah. You and my husband well, about the same time. That's right. We went to that concert at the theater. Uh, what was that, a couple months ago or something like that? Anyway. Um, yeah, Shaky Graves, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, Andrew right. Bird. Right. Um, you know, and just people that I really probably wouldn't have been turned on to if I hadn't gone to the festivals. Well, Athens is just cool when it comes to music, when it comes to culture. We, we talked a little bit about this with our guest, William Tonks and Tommy Jordan. Incredible and, musicians. Yeah. Incredible. And Incredible I, stories. I've really enjoyed, because I didn't really know a whole lot about them before we started researching the episode, but um, just listening to kind of some of the back catalog and um, I listened to... Um, I listened to William's solo record mm-hmm. where he plays the dobro. I mean, it's yeah. primarily dobro stuff, but it's a very singer-songwriter type fair. You know what's I so really nice about it. them too is they are so, I mean, they really, music is in their heart and soul, like so thick. Like they really probably don't think that they can live without it. And I love that because I think there's so many young musicians that, think that if they don't make it in their 20s, they're done. And I just think, God, what a... What and a, stop playing music. Yeah. and But what a gift to be able to play well and be able to play with your friends. And and they don't seem to take that for granted. Well, like I said, they pl- they played with a lot of people. 
Um, let me tell you a little bit about them and uh, so we can get this playing. But um, I tell you, as I read both their bios, I learned a lot about them, but I learned oh so much more talking to them. I'll introduce you to Tommy Jordan, a uh, expert on the guitar, banjo, and a wonderful vocalist. He's well-known in the Athens and Atlanta music scene and the acoustic music circles. Been performing in Athens and the surrounding area since uh, 1977. Currently leads the well-established acoustic band String Theory and contra dance band Hot Fire. He was an integral part of the early 80s Athens music scene with roles in Turtle Bay Band and Men in Trees. He was also a solo artist. He's the only musician to have performed at all 34 of the Athens Human Rights Festivals. And with his past band, Turtle Bay, he played at the famous church steeple party where R.E.M. made their debut. And he also hung out at the Morton where the B-52s learned how to play their uh, instruments. William Tonks, he's um, electric guitar, dobro, and he's also a great vocalist. He is a fine guitar player when he's not playing his soulful slide on his dobro. His natural touch on the instruments and his innate feel and love for music gives him the ability to improvise and adapt to a wide range of styles. William has steady gigs as the lead guitar player with Blood Clean and the Romper Stompers, now called the Supernova Rainbow Band. But he has spent his time in Athens applying his skills in well-known bands as diverse as Redneck Grease Deluxe, The Hot Burritos, Horse Feathers, and Barbecue. And that is Barbara Q. William has performed at nearly every major venue and festival in the Southeast and has a number of CDs to his credit, as well as being a sought-after session musician for many years. He brings distinct edge and a catalog of great original songs to the music of Mr. Jordan and Mr. Tonks. Together, the effortless blend of their wide range of musical experiences and styles results in a synergy that always leaves listeners wanting more. Their performances reveal a joyful and relaxed musical relationship between two exceptional musicians, and I've seen them, and they couldn't have said that better. Here's our conversation with Tommy and William. Welcome to this uh, new podcast. Um, we're trying to, to, to bring a little bit of the Athens music to the forefront of whoever's willing to listen. I keep on saying, you know, do it and they will come instead of build it. Just, just go ahead and do it and they will come. And I hope they do because I have so much to ask you today. <laughs> First of all, Athfest. Athfest. Holy moly. That was fun. It was fun. It's wasn't a big it? deal. It, it's this this podcast is going to air a little bit later, but I was really confident about why I'm doing this podcast from this weekend, and that is because I was like, "Where are all these bands coming from?" There were so many bands I didn't know. There, there. You know, one of the things about Athens is it is a real hotbed of up and coming bands. You know, it's a uh, it's always been that way. It's, I mean, there were 200 bands on Athfest and it was advertised as being all local. I mean, local bands, I don't know if they were all local or not, but if they were, that's pretty crazy. I read, I pushed the little button on the name and the app yeah. and read everybody. And yes, they were. 
except for Daydream doesn't live here anymore. Daydream. Okay. Daydream. Daydream. Yeah, day yeah, sorry. Not, I want to always say Daydream. I don't know why. Because It's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good day for a daydream. <laughs> Thanks. I needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this podcast, I hope, will bring people to Athens more to come hear these bands or to buy records or to do whatever they want to do to make Athens a uh, part of their life. So Joe and I were talking earlier and some of the things that we want to know, but I asked you to, this question yesterday to think about. Did you already forget? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember, uh, well, I remember you, know, you asking the question. I just don't remember it's what, not what, a hard con- one. what it was. Oh, good. Phew. It's not going to be graded or anything. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but where's the fun of that? <laughs> I like a challenge. Well, this okay. Well, maybe this will give. I'll give you a few more challenges later. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Multiple choice, please. What I want to ask both of you individually is, what is your Athens? What does Athens mean to you each? Why are you still here? Um, I know that you did other things besides music. and the, We just want to know, what is your particular story and what does Athens mean to you? And we'll start with you, William. Gosh, um, it was on my radar when I was an undergraduate in Sewanee, Tennessee, playing in a band called Penguin Lust. And my older brother was finishing his PhD. Today's his birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, Neil Tonks. Um and for Christmas in 1982, he he said, "Well, man, I know you're you're into guitar and you know playing. You've got bands and blah blah blah. Check this out. This is a local band, and uh, it was REM's Chronic Town, and it was just eye opening. Um, if you remember what radio was like in 1982, it was Sticks and Journey were still around. Neil Sedaka might have still been around." Uh, pointy guitar bands were starting to emerge. And here was this really fresh, um, original thing. And that really just uh, enraptured me. So uh, when I played a couple years, finishing up in Tennessee, I decided to go get a graduate degree because I couldn't think of anything else to do. And I got into schools in Nashville, three in Atlanta, and one in Athens. But only one was where there was a music scene and where REM lived and played and did all this stuff. So I'm like, I think I want to go to the University of Georgia. Um, Graduate school didn't really work out. um, But then I decided if you're going to play in bands, you, and you want to play in bands, which I did, you better do it while you're young because you don't want to be 45 and going, gosh, now's the time. We'll get to when I was 45 later on. It still was the time, but it was a good time for me to get started. So it was just kind of a, a, a already on the map in, in my brain as kind of this musical little haven where bands played. And one of my favorite bands of all time lived, worked, recorded, um, stayed. You know, that's what's one of the important things that REM did is, you know, they stayed in town. You know, that was huge. Um, Everybody else, you know, would think, oh, you got to move to L.A., you got to move to Chicago, got to move to New York. And they're like, no, we're going to stay in Athens, Georgia. And that anchored a whole bunch of stuff. So, As many musicians did. I mean, there's still a lot of the musicians here from those days. Yes. 
Well, a lot of them never ascent, hit the heights that, you know, the B-52s did or REM or widespread panic. But um, it just seemed like a really fertile place. And once I lived here trying to go to graduate school, I was like, well, man, there's just so much more going on in the music scene than there is in my textbook. So uh, that I, chapter? I, I jumped in <laughs> feet first, got a job at a temporary agency and aspired. My aspirations were to get a Friday night at the 40 watt and to get a job at the taco stand. And uh, you got them both. Didn't I got you? them both. Was Kurt Flood still uh, for Kurt Flood? That That's for my baseball hall of fame. <laughs> yeah. I just went to see Kurt Wood. Kurt Wood. Yes, he was, was there. Was he still there? Yes. Then? Oh my um, gosh. In fact, he's back there right now. Um, he, no, I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he returned to bring excellence back to, to the taco stand, but well, Kurt's, a, Kurt's a gem, but he was a great guy to work with and he taught me a lot. And um, then I started playing in bands. That's awesome. I, I, I benefited from REM's magnificent rise because my husband and I owned record stores hmm. with a partner. I mean, we, we were part of, part of the whole thing called Sounds Familiar in the Carolinas. And we sold, here it comes, guys, what I said, a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> you promised you'd okay. use that word, or maybe. I promised you I would use that word. Yeah. So this yeah. is not going to be broadcast to kindergarten. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Although my six-year-old granddaughter's heard it a ton. <laughs> Does she a shit ton. Yeah, Does she use it? <laughs> Not yet, not yet. She, she will. Said, yeah. She will. When you least expect it. When her mother says, what did you tell her? Um, that's, how about you, Tommy? Um, well, I started off school in Valdosta State College as a music major out of high school. I played in the coffee houses and stuff in high school. Went down as a music major, got in a band. And when I was 19, just like people from Athens did, I went to New York. And I uh, played at the Bitter End, which you have no doubt heard of, and uh, which was very cool, and to stand on that stage and play. And then I went to Boston for a few years and played in some cover bands and whatnot up there. But had a had a good time. But at some point, I said, "Hmm, I'm, I'm now I'm holding out both of my hands like a scale. I'm a good guitar player and I'm a good waiter. Uh, where's the future in that?" And so I decided to move back home to Georgia. Um, and um back home back home to georgia i'm from atlanta okay from atlanta and um and picked out athens as being the coolest town that had a college in it and uh apparently the way my wife tells the story i walked upstairs to this to the uh she waited in the car and i walked upstairs to the admissions office and walked came back downstairs after a while and said well i'm in Apparently it was easier back then. Get out of and, here. Um, that's hysterical. But, uh, <laughs> oh my God, that's hysterical. But anyway, so did undergraduate, ended up in geography, um, played in bands the whole time. Um, I started off as kind of a folk singer. And in the late 90s, well, see, you know, I worked at a restaurant called the El Dorado, which is where the Morton Theater, which is uh, and the, where the Morton Theater is now. It was a vegetarian. It was the hippie vegetarian restaurant. Yeah, that was I read my, about that, was that, my job. that was restaurant before one, it became the place. theater. Yeah, and and I got the job as the as the manager because I had a calculator and I knew how to use it. 
So it's a very dangerous thing to oh, have. It is indeed, but I, you know, with great responsibility comes great power. With great power comes great responsibility. Whatever Spider-Man said. <laughs> it's the second. The second one, yeah. <laughs> I had it right earlier today. But anyway, so I would sit in the back room doing the books while the B-52s learned how to play their instruments in the room behind me, in the old bloodletting room of the funeral home. And wiggles are, and wiggle there. And wiggle there. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, they did learn how to play their instruments, and they wrote great songs, and I got to listen to all that happen, and then ended up going to their first gig, um, their first real gig at The Last Resort, which is now a restaurant, but it was a great listening room. And then- The Last Resort was? Oh, yeah. It was a great listening room. Steve oh, Martin wow. played there, and John Hartford, and all kinds of really That I did not know. Yeah, yeah. See? It was a- it was I a, knew it was you guys a, were going to be a plethora of yeah, information. I just so knew many, it. So many informations. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a great listening room. It had, you know, theater seats and a real stage and a real green room and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but anyway, so what happened? And so then I got in a band called um, Men in Trees or Turtle Bay. And then we changed it to Men in Trees. And I got to play at the, at the, the church gig where REM, your favorite, first had their first gig. So I was there. We provided the sound system for that. And we, we played, got to crawl through the, the hole in the back of the closet to get back to the uh, the sanctuary where the where the show was or where the party was. I would have loved to have been there. Loved. Well, you know there. what? You know, I, there's a lot of people that have all these great detailed memories of it, but to me, it was just a party, and uh, there was other stuff going on that made me not remember exactly everything. <laughs> um, we don't have to go there. Well, we didn't go there. <laughs> but it was, but it, but but it was a real, you know. I remember it being a fun party. You know, I certainly remember being there. And um, anyway, life going on. I went to grad. I went to school and ended up in grad school and um, in uh, geography, and uh, uh, because I really liked it, as it turned out, learned how to learned how to do mapping, and so I became a cartographer. And, uh, but I kept playing, you know, and had a career in geography, 35 years at UGA and, but always played music the whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds, um, interesting to say the least. And I know that there was a lot of fun during those days here. There was. I went from <clears throat> South Carolina to North Carolina and then here, and I didn't really know Athens that well. So when I got to Duluth, Georgia, I kept on hearing about it. And we started coming up here for some music, my husband and I. And um, then our daughter went to school here and blah, blah, blah. But um, got to see some really good stuff. And I did get to see the wigs one night and drive-by truckers and stuff like that. Be, be um, not BR, yeah, BR545, is that what they're called? BR549? Yes, thank they're, you. They're Nashville, though. Yeah, they're Nashville. But I saw them here. Okay. And but I saw um, old ninety sevens here. I saw a lot of good music here. Well, um, a lot of national bands would come through here. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, that's what always makes it really hard to go to Atlanta is because there is so much stuff that comes through Athens. So it's, uh, it's amazing. It's diminished a little bit, don't you think, lately? Um, With the ascendance know. of Atlanta too, you know, there's so many good venues there, and there's a whole generation that are going to clubs again, and. You know, you could play to 200 people in Athens or 1,000 people in Atlanta, and you probably can't play both Athens and Atlanta. So Atlanta's kind of stealing yeah. some of the thunder for, for bigger bands right now. Obviously, there's still plenty of touring bands that come through, though. 
But y'all play a lot of um, like local festivals and and things like that. It we're seems local. like you kind of make a point to yeah. be part of the music scene here. Well, well, we'll play just about any any place that asks us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I met you at Hotel Indigo. Yeah. And everybody I was with was like, "Oh, these guys are an institution. You." You just don't even know how much music and stuff that they've done. You have to stay here and listen to them. And they're just going on and on. And I'm like, okay, okay, I will. But from talking to you that night in the hallway, I think we met after going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped you. I don't know why I stopped you, but I did. Because that's the kind of girl I am. But talking to you, seeing you, listening to you, now I kind of know. Yeah. Now I kind of know what you guys have been doing here. And it really is quite amazing what you guys have done and what you're a part of. Um, how it, So besides the music diminishing a little bit from National Acts, how has your Athens changed for you? Well, um, there's more bands every year. It just, you know, it just seems that kids today, um, <laughs> they're busy. They're doing stuff. They're starting bands. And, you know, with the advent of home recording you know you can make an album in your your bedroom that sounds pretty good and uh that's kind of fun to see um the the rents have gone up um but it's funny as the rents have gone up it used to be that there was always a place you could get for like 300 dollars a month and four people would live there and you could rehearse there and have parties there and so that would and in the earlier days, um, closing time on Saturday night was midnight. So last really? last call was 11.45. So every Saturday night, you know, one to 5,000 people were looking for a party. And that's when the, a lot of house parties happened and lot, lots of fun um, real gigs. But they were just, you know, you set up a PA system in somebody's big living room and you, you played there. Till the police came. Till the police came. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Well, that probably happened every night, but. Yeah. Hey. Not every night. So there's you know. there's less of that. and uh, But what has filled the void um, is that great institution, Nucci Space, which has been around 15 years, 20. Love that place. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's such a resource. But, you know, all of a sudden you don't have to have a house that you could to rehearse your band. It's like, oh, man, let's just go down there and give them 20, 30 bucks and, you know. Walk in, walk out, bang, done. And they got drums. And they have drums. Yeah. I, I actually tried to help musicians. I was doing health insurance. I'm still doing part of it. Um, but it was really full force then. And I was trying to help musicians get health insurance because they really didn't They're, realize they could afford it. They are an underinsured um, seg- I know, they segment still of are. the population. And um, she's not there anymore, but Leslie and I worked a lot together to try and... Was that the British woman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was great. Scottish, something like Scottish, that. Scottish, but great accent. Oh, yeah. I loved her. Loved her. Um, she finally retired. Um, but we set out flyers. We put things on the wall. And I sat there. You <laughs> tried to sell insurance? And nobody came. No. Not well, one musician came. Uh, feels well, out of reach for them. And I did that a couple times. What, yeah, I, it feels out of reach for him, I think. And I also, think you know, if until you get to a certain age or a certain awareness, insurance is something you don't need until you need it. Yeah. And you didn't know you needed it until you need it. And then you're, you know, you're. 
and you're throwing away thousands of dollars, no matter how 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 cheap it is, it's still two thousand dollars a year, and um, yeah, or a thousand dollars a year. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking about the yeah. Obamacare stuff, and you know, that's a lot of money to that could be spent on your Brahmin. Yeah, or another good guitar. Say yeah. lovey. Lovey. But um, anyway, um, to get back to what we are talking about, if there is one song, maybe two, that you would want somebody listening to this podcast to know about you, what would you pick? Mm. Probably Counting on You, which is a song from this, the uh, album, A Supernova Rainbow of Fun. And... Um, it was a really collaborative work. Uh, Todd, Nance, Danny Hutchins, and I all wrote the work. Each wrote our own verse, and um, I don't know. It kind of summed up the, the compassion of that band. You know, um, a we we just really adored each other and had a. I mean, we laughed so much, but it also we were also kind of you know tree hugging, people hugging hippies and. Uh, that, that it just all kind of fell together on that one. And then now that I get to play it with Tommy, it just can continues to have this resonance. And I think, you know, it, it, people like it and I love it. And, um, and I love it. it. Yeah. I, well, I loved listening to it yesterday. Yeah. So I was, who are these, who are these young people in the, uh, in the cover that great? here? That was, uh, the bass player's idea, John Mills. He said, instead of doing like band pictures, why don't we, uh, get kid pictures of ourselves? And that's us. Look as, how cute you as, are. We're looking. We're looking in the. Uh, this is great for radio. The, the jacket. By the way. Yeah. yeah. I can that's already a, tell in this picture that you're all having a hard time not laughing. Yes, it was hilarious. So we're we're singing in a round. You know, like row 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 your boat row row row, and around <laughs> one microphone. And the engineer David Barbie had the sense to stand on a chair with his phone and take a picture of it. We just thought it was the funniest thing. And and what you hear on the record is that take, and. Um, I loved that song, and I loved um, Peas on the Vine. Yeah, Sweet, <laughs> Sweet Peas. Pea. Sweet Pea on the Vine. Yep. Yeah. I sang that this morning at the State Botanical Garden for Sweet Pea Campers sitting out on the theater in the woods, and I will return on Wednesday and do it again. So, Tommy, you you were um, – I was reading that you were involved at the North Georgia Folk Festival. Yeah. And have been doing that for a long time. I've been the director of it for 15 years. That's and, awesome. Um, now the 16th year – that I'm involved, I've uh, found a, a person to take over, Claire Campbell from Hope for a Golden oh, Summer. Yeah. But um, love Claire. But she's up till then, up till this year, I'm her number two. Last year, she was my number two. That's great. But um, but yeah, I did it 15 years, and it's been an amazing uh, opportunity to work with uh, a lot of traditional musicians. I mean, it's all about traditional music, and, right? Uh, we did have, you know, some rock bands, Cosmic Charlie, but they we made them play a, an acoustic set, acoustic you set. know. But but I also worked yeah, the a lot puppies with one year, right? Uh, the mud, mud puppies, you know, before I was involved. Oh, okay. Um, maybe like the year before I was involved or something like that. The so it's I, never uh, been electric. Um, well, there has I been mean, some electric, electric guitars, but it's never been. It's button. never, you know, we've had some of the bands have have electric guitars, yeah, but. But primarily, it's uh, it's acoustic, so it's banjos and fiddles and acoustic guitars and dobros. And dobros, yeah. We have William <laughs> and I play. Somebody plays a dobro. Yeah, D William plays a dobro, and he and I have played it a couple of times. Right. And 
Um, I uh, I got to work with Jerry Douglas in my oh, really? music job. I was uh, we distributed his um, albums, uh, CDs, whatever mm. you want to call them, and um, it's an album recording. Yes, know. recording. And I love Jerry. I love mm. his wife. I, it's been um, it was really a grand time. I got to um, do this little tour with him and John Oates doing a Christmas album. Mm. Oh, fun! And it is so good. And Maura O'Connell was there on that tour also. She's a heck of a singer. Oh, yeah, she's her. a wonderful singer. I saw her at, at the uh, at the Ark in Ann Arbor one time. I, she was one of the first people I saw in North Carolina when we opened our stores there. She was with Robert O'Kane. Mm-hmm. And it was fabulous, fabulous. It was at uh, Spirit Square. Mm. You ever played there? No. Wow. The acoustics in that place is unbelievable. All right, we're going to have to push you guys on the road a little now. It'll oh, be we'll, fine. Any any place that'll have us. <laughs> yeah, we, we have we have a car. We have a PA. Yeah. So uh, we're completely self contained. You know they accommodated into this whole big art center in in Char- Charlotte. You know, kind of what they're happening happening in a lot of places and mm-hmm. just making all the music go together and stuff. Um, but um, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about is. Who besides the big guys, um, REM, B-52s, et cetera, who is probably one of your most favorite bands that came out of Athens besides the ones that really made it? The Glands. That somebody else told me that. Oh, man, I just adore their records. Oh, man, they're so, so good. Just really pop records but they're weird and they're smart and um yeah that, you didn't even hesitate no, no. Mm-hmm. like yeah, you didn't even have to think yeah that's pretty good well i mean i, I would I, have to think yeah i you know I, I play their records at my house for for pleasure and um yeah i don't know if i've ever heard the glance i know the name I but i don't know if i ever have yeah we have a ton of vinyl in our house and a ton of stuff but our music comes from older times and, and during the record stores and all that stuff. We have an autographed REM. I said, how did we get that? He goes, well, we had an in-store or something. I said, what? <laughs> we didn't have what? I have a, I have a rock, uh, copy of the Rock Lobster Signal on my wall that was kissed and signed by each of the members. Oh, uh, nothing like a good lipstick the kiss. Lipstick kisses, yeah, it's on my on the wall. That's a, framed, of course. That's you, a good one. Are you more of a folk uh, singer fan, or are you? Uh, yeah, I, there was a. You know, I was in rock bands, a rock, a rock band early uh, up in, in the eighties, and then I kind of got into folk music. Not kind of. I head over heels into folk music and old time music, and so you know, your favorite band is the rock band, the Glands, which I don't know about because there was a whole period of time where I wasn't listening to rock even a little bit. <laughs> um, because it turns out there's plenty of folk music that that is quite engaging. Speaking of Jerry Douglas, who Speaking was the re- he yeah. was the reason I started playing Dobra. So yeah. really, and, oh yeah, yeah. So hearing him on Will the Circle Be Unbroken Volume Two, I was like, that is a cool sounding instrument. I I don't know all like a lot of Dobro players, but I believe, and I've never really heard you play yours. So. Um, I picked up that 2008 album or 2007 but I don't think album. There's, I mean, there's, I thought it was if, great. there could be somebody oh, better than yeah. him, but well, he there, is, there are other great players. Rob Ikes is great. Yeah. Um, the, the, but he was just like the Jimi Hendrix. 
He just He's a funny guy too. He took the, the the instrument to a whole new level and whether you like Led Zeppelin or not, you know, Jimmy Page was a very melodic guitar player. There's lots of guitar players that can play fast or do tricky stuff, but can they do it in a way that you want to whistle a tune? I think Jerry Douglas has that same musicality, you know, that sense of melody that not everybody does. Some people just have the tricks. But Tommy's thinking about his favorite folk artist was from I? Athens. Yeah, because well, I think your that's favorite start, artist. We're circling back. See how I did that? That was nice. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, there was so Art Rosenbaum was huge in the folk music here, and I got to work with him in the North Georgia Folk Festival. We were just talking about every year and uh, collecting. You know, fine. he would he would collect uh, musicians. He would collect musicians and their music. You know, from from the hills basically and. Kind of like the song catcher, just a whole lot like a song catcher, and he's got he's got records in the Smithsonian of those recordings. And he won a Grammy, uh, and he won a Grammy for him, and all that. And so, being able to work with him and play with him, I played a concert with him. I played with him with some frequency, uh, and then we collaborated a lot in the in the folk festival. Uh, and he would bring all these these people in, and um, that was kind of his gig. I would bring the more modern folks in, and that was, you know, you said, "What? Is, how has Athens changed?" Well, there's been a lot more um, of the singer-songwriter types come out. You know, the younger kids, younger kids, younger musicians writing their music and playing acoustically now. I think there was a there was a period where we didn't have a lot of acoustic music uh, in Athens, or it was really under the radar. Now it's it's come back and it's coming back out, and I I really like that a lot. Um, well, one of the things I said when I'm trying to write some stuff about Athfest, just to kind of rec recollect and um, what I saw, how I felt, what really moved my soul and that type of thing. Um, Jim White. Oh, he's amazing. He's fantastic. I, I, this is true. Yeah. I He brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, no, no doubt. Listening to him uh, yeah. Saturday night. I actually helped him with his insurance. Oh, there you and go. And that's how we met. Yeah. Crazy. It was crazy. Because he, he understands then, you need insurance. Oh, he came to my garage sale first. And I had these big four by fours from the record store days of Little Feet, uh, Tomato. Um, waiting for Columbus. Waiting for yeah. Columbus, yeah. And um, Heroes. And he bought them. Hmm. And then Lisa Mendez, who I'd never met, she bought all the other stuff. I we have a lot of stuff. Lisa's but. Lisa just fun fact. Lisa's brother Nathan was the drummer in my band back in the in Men and, with Men and Trees. I saw the name Nathan Mendez. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if that was the case. Yeah, Nathan, one the same. He's still around fixing, fixing motorcycles, fixing motorcycles well, in see, Watkinsville. That's what I'm saying. There's these people are still around. Well, and so that's what's really interesting, actually, that there is there are people who were playing. Back when I started in, let's say, 1979, 1980, who are still playing music now, which I just think is remarkable. I don't know if that happens everywhere, but um, I don't know if it's habit or, or they just don't want to give it up because it's so much fun and so so satisfying. But um, you know, I've I have I have gigged every year since I was 14 years old. Amazing. And um, and I never want to stop. You know and. But don't you think you're addicted to the writing and you're addicted? Like, you can't stop. I, I, I saw a thing about Paul Simon the other day on Sunday yeah. morning, and he said, I tried to stop. I said I wasn't going to write any more songs. I wasn't going to play, you know, I was going to play anything anymore. 
and and I tried, but I couldn't. I, I had to. I had to keep on writing. I don't know how you would. I mean, I've never been much of a writer, although I've been writing a lot more lately with someone else. I think playing goes the, the lyrics, same way. But the music, you know, the musicianship. I've, I'm always learning how to play guitar better. You know, and there are people who say, "Well, why do you even need? Why do you? You know, you're already pretty good. You know, but you know, you can always be better." And that's what playing with William. We've been playing together for 15 years, maybe 14, 15 years. Yeah, that's about like right. That, something like that. They always say that the only way to get better is to play with someone who's better than you, or who, you know, who you at least think is better than you. And I've always thought William was better than me. But then, you know, but, but he'll Tom, turn around. <laughs> and, and Tommy knows all these things that I don't know. Yeah. And he's better than me in that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I literally have videos of him playing a song so that I could go home and practice watching his hands. Because I'm like, I'm not going to take this all in right now with the advent of our phones. You know, you can do that. And uh, so we, we've just been when showing you, each other wouldn't stuff. Wouldn't you say, or, Joe, that we can feel that when we see you play? Oh, I mean, absolutely. you can really yeah. tell that oh, good. you guys yeah. mesh or your well, that's, that's souls something that's, touch each other or whatever it is. Um, that's something that's that's been really fun as we've kind of explored this uh, podcast is just how many how many connections there are in this little town. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, there there's so many opportunities for collaboration. Uh, we were just talking about. Uh, uh, you know, a friend of mine is a friend of Jay Gonzalez's, and we've been following him for a while. And then he was up on stage uh, supporting some other bands, and just it's it's been amazing to see all the collaborative opportunities that that come about when uh, creative people get together. And Andrew, when we did Andrew from here, Radcliffe, he said that when he, he was in Oxford. He left the band he was with to go to Happy Tweed. And that was a big dramatic thing there to change bands in in your town. But that doesn't seem to have happened here. Yeah, I guess until you get to the point where you're making a, a living at it, that might, you know, get more attention. But you know, if you're just playing for fun or, you know, semi-pro and you know, it's if you got time, you're a. If you're playing, you're always going to meet more musicians. And if you like playing music, well, why not play more music? And not everybody's going to have a 15 year relationship like William and I have had. You know, I mean, some bands are six months. Some bands are, you know, three practices in one gig and say, eh, you know, the chemistry doesn't work, or whatever like that. But you know, you had asked about what one of your questions earlier was about what does Athens mean to you. And to me, it means community because there are, it's just a huge community of people who know and love one another and play together in this band and that band. And if, you know, if someone needs a guitar player, you know, they're just as likely to call William to come and sit in with them. And I get calls too, to, you know, play, uh, you know, to, to play. Somebody asked me the other day, she says, Tommy, well, you play all these kinds of music. Do you play klezmer? I said, duh, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't, you know? <laughs> but it turns out that I, you know, I have, I was asked to play with the Klezmer band. And, and since they were all so my friends fun. anyway, you know, I got to, and I could play the style. You know, Tommy, so, it's funny you said community because I'm going to talk about me for just a second here. I left Duluth, Georgia 
and told my husband when this house that we rented, uh, bought for our daughter when we were in college came free, I said, I'm going to Athens. You want to come? <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. You know, mm -hmm. We love Athens so much. But I was really what I wanted to come to Athens for was community. Well, it's huge. I grew up in a community that you, you just knew everybody. You knew everybody, and they watched out for you, and you were out all day. I mean, that whole thing, you know, we played outside and all that. But it was, it was a real community. Yeah. And um, Athens has been that community. I wanted to be able to go into a restaurant, a bar, an ice cream shop. I don't care where it was. I wanted to go in and be able to say hi to somebody. That and I knew. Can, and you can do that here. You, you know, it's absolutely as, as, as Athens has grown, it's a little bit more difficult, and especially since there's you know hundreds of restaurants, but but it's still real possible. And you also will know the waiter uh or the server, you know, and they'll know you. And um and but they may know you from you know the last restaurant they worked at. You know, right. and uh but the community, you know, I don't know there was a time when there was an acoustic community and there was an electric community. And William was a huge part of the of the electric community and I was a mainstay in the acoustic community. And we had and there was some overlap. I always knew who William was and yeah, he I, I knew, knew Tommy's name. Yeah. Know. But we had never met until um frankly Boy Scouts. They he joined his son joined my Boy Scout troop. Community. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh and then we discovered, well, here's where the two worlds collide, you know, and uh but you know, and but it's it's really big. You know, it's I love I love it. I love that I've got really, really, really good friends here and long term friends, and many of them are great musicians. Not all of them are musicians, but my husband will never leave here. He loves Ollie. Oh, oh man, yeah. the Osher Lifelong Learning Ollie. Institute. Yeah. Um, yes. we, we've actually given an Ollie talk. That's right. Nick. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was in, during the pandemic, right? Yeah, we gave it on, we did it on he Zoom. He does great books. He does yeah. poker. Oh, and don't mess with his poker games on Friday nights or Monday nights. Like, it, does he have a little Tupperware thing full of change he just carries around with him? No, he has dollars, though. Dollars? There, he's got a dollar drawer. Ooh. <laughs> it's nickel card quarter. Yeah. It's $5 to get in. <laughs> but, I mean, they're vicious. That's too expensive. Too, too rich for my blood. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Ollie, he, he's very academic. And that's, see, that's the beauty of Athens also, yeah. is that this college town offers us not only this amazing music, it's, all, it's offering us culture, it's offering us learning. It's, it's got one of the best art museums in the country. Absolutely. For free. For free, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Athens is is very very good to me. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chica. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I I moved in Athens in '99, and and I was a, a choir kid growing up, and had an acapella group in in choir. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it went on for about 25 years before wow. they uh, they hung it up. But. Um, they, and Joe plays guitar. Also. I, I do play a little bit, although I think I need to take to heart the advice about uh, playing with people that are better than you, because I usually just try <laughs> to play by myself, <laughs> yeah, you, which you, that doesn't work out. Yeah. And, and well, go ahead. 
Oh, no. Well, what I was going to ask earlier is like when you guys got together and played for the first time, where you're talking about two different communities and maybe kind of two different styles and tastes, what, what was what was it that really kind of uh, made that work for you guys? Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. <laughs> uh, James yep. Taylor. James Taylor, Grateful Dead. Um, literally, so my son was leaving fifth grade, going into sixth grade. So that's where Cub Scouts end and Boy Scouts begin. And there wasn't a feeder troop for our Cub Scout troop. So uh, an- another parent said, I'm going to go check out Tommy Jordan's troop. Um, what, maybe you'd like it too. They're they're a little different. And I talked to Tommy, probably just on the phone or something yeah. like that. And he said, well, yeah, Um we are looking for always looking for new scouts, and um, we are a little different. We want to go somewhere every month, let the kids have an adventure, but usually a very affordable adventure. You know, we're, we're not a high budget troop, um, but we want to get out in nature and do stuff and teach them skills, and we want to eat really well while we're there. No beanie weenies, no peanut butter sandwiches. You know, they just. <laughs> Fixed, you know, shrimp creole and venison stew. And, no big deal. But they teach the kids how to cook, so I thought that was cool. And he says, and we want to make sure we can play music while we're there. And I looked at my son. I said, I think we should maybe try this one. It's it's your decision, <laughs> but this sounds pretty good. And literally, so within a month and a half, we were on campouts, and the kids are off playing flashlight tag, and Tommy and I are sitting there with guitars. And then the kids would come back, and some of them played, and you know, just multi generational. Oh, that's that's really nice. It, it was yes. just so organic, and we just realized that you know, a we made each other laugh, b we liked a lot of the same songs, c we had complementary playing styles. So after what year, two years, we said let's play in a club. Well, and also I hired you to play. Uh, I hired folk you to play festival. at the folk festival. That was our first public appearance, and you, and you said, well. Why don't you play some of the songs with me? And I said, Oh no, 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 no. I'm, you know, I'm. I don't. I don't play that rock and roll. And, but anyway, we got up there, and uh, <laughs> afterwards, the sound guy says, "Man, y'all ought to do that a lot." And so we did. But and it was really fun. So we were talking. We always would carry guitars and banjos, and, and we even would carry. We had room in our scout trailer for an upright bass. No way. And the upright bass, oh my the fella now, he's a professional bass player and teacher and uh, majored in bass performance at UGA. And another one of our guys uh, who was a contemporary of my son, got his eagle the same day, uh, is a hip-hop producer and uh, just got done working with P. Diddy and Drake and all these guys. And when you do a Zoom with him, his office is lined with gold and platinum records. And you just go... Okay, well, at least it. I taught him how to play guitar. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know, he did better than me. But he was smarter than me, so uh, and younger, and that's what he wanted to pursue. And I wanted to teach geography. Yeah, but you you gave him, you know, the seed. And he that's spent he cool. spent he spent many many hours at my house playing guitar. And uh, you teach so. guitar. I do, I do, and uh, William does too. And um, I yep, teach uh, just ban- started banjo and. Uh, mandolin and I tried some... to learn once. I wasn't very good at it, but I really wanted to try. And then I got pregnant and couldn't hold the guitar. <laughs> well, you and know, then I never um, picked it up again. Yeah, you could probably fit one now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but nobody's good 
at first. No, and it's my, hard. Funny, funny story. My brother, older brother Rick, who was one of my heroes, both of my brothers had great musical taste, my sister too, and they would give me records. But, uh, you know, Rick was like the music. He went to lots of concerts and all this stuff and looked so groovy. And after I'd been playing for like two or three years, he said, hey, I, I got to say, um, for a long time, we couldn't tell what you were trying to play. We didn't want to say anything, but now we can tell what you're trying to play, and it sounds pretty good. And I was just like, "Well, thanks for not discouraging me two years ago." So, <laughs> like, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, you know, you know just oh, maybe you want to go do that outside. But no, he, he that was a, that was a a pivotal moment. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll practice even harder." That's very cool. Yeah, you. Can, I'm from a family of ten. Not one of us. Well, my mother played grand piano in our living room by ear, mm -hmm. but she died at a very young age. So I remember like, how much is that doggy in the window? Okay. <laughs> Those are the tunes that I remember listening to her, but um, not one of us really played anything. My brother um, did pretty good on a saxophone and a harmonica, but he never really did anything with it just for fun, but he got to be pretty good on one of those little Plutophones or a recorder? You know, those little soft saxophones that can kind of plastic. Alta. Mm -hmm. You know, it okay. wasn't a metal one. It was just this, like, little one. But he got pretty good on it. I don't know what it's called. I, I don't know that kind of thing, but. Plasticophone. I got to ask you something. All right. Contra dance. What about it? Oh, they're fun. I I think I would love it. You, you would love it. Anybody I would love, love to it. dance, first well, of all. Anybody would love it, contra dance. It's, but I've seen video of it. Uh-huh. And. In is there something special you have to know? How do you learn to do contra dance? Well, they actually teach you during your first dance. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they teach every dance. And so usually almost every dance I've ever attended or been a part of, um, and I've, I've played, I played guitar and banjo at a lot of contra dances. One of my bands is a full-on contra dance band, um, is they will spend the first half hour teaching the – new folks, you know, what a dosi -si do is and what a, you know, what the different moves are. Uh, so what is, is, it's not, it's not. Um, it's like a square dance. So, yeah, so picture, picture, you know, what you were in high school or grade school and you did a square dance, right? The same, <laughs> the same things, uh, same exact moves, swing your partners and all that kind of stuff. But it's done, it's more of an English line dancer. It started, I believe, in New England. And, um, and so it, instead of being in a square with, with, with four couples, you might have 10 or 12 couples in a long line. And if there's more people than that, then you make a second line. And Do you go in circles? And, no, you go up and down the line. Up and down the up line. And okay. you end up dancing with everybody in the room, which is really fun. You start off with your partner and then by the next, what I call go round, which is the next time around the song, the tune, you're with another person. Now, is it just music or is somebody calling things? Or there's, a, there's a caller. And yeah. so the caller is in charge and he or she will stand on kind of a little platform with a microphone. And first thing they'll do is teach what the dance is. So they'll say, okay, so now you're going to do this move and then that move and then that move and then that move. And then the band, what our job is, is to interpret what those moves are that she usually keeps it. The caller will keep it on like a recipe card. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so one of the things that, that we need to learn how to do is, is how to read that recipe card and figure out, well, is this song 
Should it be choppy or should it be smooth? Or what are the different moves in the dance? And what if is it in the beginning section or the second? Each dance is in, each tune is in a, what they call the A part and the B part. And so there's kind of a two but sections. There, but there's a, a finite set of moves. It's, there's a finite set of moves, right. And then not all of them are used all the time. And some of them are kind of exotic. And mm -hmm. so the only advanced dancers will, you know, if the caller, the caller can usually read the, read the crowd and say, okay, these are a bunch of beginners or these are better dancers. And she'll, she'll modify the dance accordingly, you know, or, or slow it down or speed it up. So how did and, this all start? You thought up north? Well, I think it started up in uh, New England. It probably started from English country dances over in England. Um, and uh, then they came back, and up in New England, it was there's, there's a huge tradition of it using French Canadian tunes, and New England tunes, um, and English fiddle tunes. And they all have a struck Irish tunes. They all have a kind of a structure. They all have a similar structure. And I won't go into it, but it's yeah. But it's uh, it's. <laughs> but I but I sure can. <laughs> I sure can. Uh, and then, but it's moved down, and so as you come farther south, uh, the bands will play some of that New England stuff, but like we played what's called Southern Old Time Music, which is a different, you know, it's the same danceable, strong beat, um, but different melodies maybe and different tunes. I, I learned to, um, my first dances were the Jitterbug and the this Mashed Potato like and that. the Jerk and all that. Those were my first dances. Well, And I still have... Some of those moves in my dance. Well, I, I remember doing I do. some square dancing. I, I swear, I still got my little, you know. Well, you know, the nice up and down. The last bit about contra dancing is that the nice thing about it is that it's really it's more like rhythmic walking. It's not like dancing like the jitterbug or the Charleston or some of those kind of things where they're fairly athletic. You can actually do a contra dance if you're you know eight years old or if you're seventy five years old or 80 years old uh, and everywhere in between because it's it's it moves you move it at a, at, a, at a speed but you can almost walk through it march through it you know according to the beat of the tune and um and it makes it that's wonderful really that's wonderful re yeah, yeah that's, that's wonderful. really wonderful and, and, and you do that with the athens folk music and dance society is that that's right. Is that right? Yeah, I'm the actually the president of that too. Okay, you're president of so, everything. Well, no, makes not me tired just thinking about to, everything you are, do. Tommy, Tommy is a busy guy. I used to be president of more stuff. How, I how feel often, so happy that you made it here. Then, <laughs> how often do you um, do you have dances for? Well, uh, for COVID that killed it. Oh, COVID killed it, and uh, you know we when we had our last dance in uh, March of whatever 2020 or something like that and um and then we're we've been trying to resurrect it okay. um but but even so dancing is coming back this year for the first time in a really you know since covid started mm -hmm. and we've been trying to bring it back here to Athens but um with the folk society, the folk music yeah. and dance society, we used to have we, for twenty years. We did one every one Saturday a month, every month. How are you trying to do it now? Uh, we're trying to get, you know, we're having trouble getting a venue. We're having trouble figuring out the economics. Costs have gone way up on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to rent the venue, obviously. You have to rent so. the venue. You got to pay the band. You got to pay the caller to come from Atlanta and work for three hours and go back home. Um, you know and. Whereas it used to be able to do that for $75. There's no way in the world I would do that. Um, and the bands, you know, need to get paid because they're only a few 
appropriate bands here in town. Um, and we like to get fresh stuff, you know. I know, and, and I think that's why these new bands are having such a hard time. Well, new bands never get paid. They, they, I mean, one of the nice things they about, can't even afford to tour. Yeah, well, touring is expensive. It is. It's real expensive touring, right now. Yeah, touring is real expensive, and that's um, sadly the only way to make money in the music business now. You sure can't make any money in Athens, Georgia. No. So no. I mean, you can you can build the community and you can play all you want here. And it's a great place to start off, you know, but if you, you know, make money, you got to leave town. When know? I worked for distribution at Koch uh, Entertainment, um, everybody always came to me, oh, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? How, you know, what would you tell me to go do and how to break out and everything? And I always used to say, get your story out. Tell your story. Get on social media. And tell your story, play your music. And now, you know, there's all these TikTok videos and Facebook videos, Instagram videos, and everybody's and getting millions of hits. And Or not. Or not. Or hundreds or tens. Yeah. We've had tens of hits. We get tens of, of hits. You know. <laughs> hey, you're doing better than me. <laughs> no, we're well, old. We we've, might we've have that happen right here. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not you even going to say anything. Yeah. Jinx that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I have one more question to ask, but Joe, do you have anything you want to really ask these guys? I was going to ask, what what is coming up for you guys? Like, what what are the, what's the next? Do you have any projects that you're excited about? I know you just had uh, you just gave us the Barbara Q Louisiana truck stop. If you want to yeah. talk about that or. Well, that's actually a way, way, way back, way yeah. back machine. Yeah. So that was made in 1990. I can't wait to listen seven to that. Seven or eight. 99. Yeah. Man of steel music. Like that? I do. Yeah. Because <laughs> John Neff plays pedal steel. He's the man of steel. Get oh, it? wow. Ah. Oh. Like it. Did he play with you? Yes. So John Barbecue started because Todd Nance from Widespread Panic and I were both huge fans of this band called NRBQ, <gasps> the New Rhythm and Blues right Quartet. You bet. One of the love NRBQ. And love. and all, all you listeners, if you think there's no great bands left to discover, NRBQ are it. They've released 30 albums. They've been playing since 1969. Um they are, if you imagined a cross between Carl Perkins, Thelonious Monk, The Beatles, and Chet Atkins, they are it. It's just amazing band. And Todd, uh, I was working at the taco stand, and he said, hey, I'm home for a few months. Um, what do you say we uh, get some guys and learn some NRBQ songs? And, you know, that'd be something fun to do for a little while and maybe play a show. Do you know anybody? And I said, well, uh, John Neff, my brother-in-law, and uh, John Mills are both huge fans too. So the four of us started learning NRBQ songs. And after about a, four practices, John said, Neff said, hey, uh, this sounds pretty good. Why don't we try some other songs? So we started bringing in originals and things like that. But that is how Todd and I, we'd been friends for a long time, but how we started playing together. And John Mills was the one of the bass players. Crumpy Edwards ended up joining the band as well. When Who? Mi I'm sorry? Crumpy. Crumpy Edwards. Paul. Paul Crumpy Edwards. Okay. You, you will hear more about Crumpy in, Athens, in Athens music history because he is a he's a legend with no, a no-doubter. Um, so, Paul Crumpy Edwards. 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 
So Mills had to go play a gig and Crumpy was hanging out. Said, and I was like, well, we're not done practicing. Crumpy, play. So He's a bass all, player. We, we just became a quintet. But um, Todd had for years been, after about five, six years, so 2003, 2004, he's like, you know, it'd be fun to make a, a project where we write songs for kids that grownups will like. And I was like, yeah, that does sound kind of cool. And blah, blah, blah. And then nothing ever happened. And then a year later, he said, you know, I got this song that I've written that I think kids would like, but I think grownups would too. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that could be interesting. And then our friend Danny Hutchins, who was uh, in Blood Kin, um, I was playing with Blood Kin at the time. So we were probably all hanging out at the same practice space, just, you know, having a beverage and just laughing about stuff. And Todd brought it up again. And Danny and his wife had just had their first kid. And Danny is was a very prolific songwriter. And uh, we just like lit up because all of a sudden that was the missing piece. So uh, Todd, John Mills, um, Danny and I started that supernova rainbow band and we we called it romper stompers for the first 10 years <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah and you guys probably are old enough to remember what a romper stomper is you i know. do unfortunately yep. i do but it's <laughs> it's all that reaction before yeah but it's also um we changed well long story so we we played shows we played mostly in athens but we got to north carolina we got to colorado one time and um, we liked the songs enough to record them. And Chris Raybold had worked with us at a practice space, and that was fine. We're like, you know, let's go to the studio. So we went to David Barbie's studio and um, recorded 10 songs. I think we had four sessions, but we were really rehearsed, really went in and knocked it out. And the, the record was 93% done in 2012. And then we all just got busy playing shows, doing stuff, you know, having life. lives, life. And then the tragedies hit in 2020 and 2021. Todd Nance died in 2020 and Danny died in 2021. Mm. And mm. that really just kind of slapped me in the face for a, a number of reasons. Um, but one was this album has to be finished. So I did a crowdsource and, um, you know, thing where, you know, you at $15, you'll get a copy of this record that we're trying to finish. At $50, you get three copies and stickers and guitar picks. At $500, $1,000, or $2,000, you get a live performance. And I said, which is awkward because half the band is dead. And John and I and somebody will show up in your hometown and play if you would like us to. And three people ponied up. One it's of my already. buddies from Penguin Lust in Tennessee, mm -hmm. he ponied up to have us play in North Carolina, and then a friend in Savannah ponied up for a show there, and a friend in Athens ponied up for a, a benefit for Nucci's and the Atticus gift, and we did. Awesome. But all of a sudden, I had to put together a band, and I was talking to Tommy about it, and Tommy's like, well, I like those songs. I, I'd like to be part of that. So Tommy did the big lift and learned – how to sing Danny's and Todd's songs and play the guitar parts. And we pulled all the lyrics off of the record. Yep. And then wow. um, old school. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I was, I'm friends and I had played with a fellow named Matt Lane, um, who played in the possibilities and has a band called the lanes now, but yeah. great drummer, ha harmony singer. And he, uh, he agreed. Awesome. So we had a lineup that would go play places because that was the deal. You know, the, my, my friends had uh, helped us, 
finish this record. Well, the first one was playing at a summer camp in North Carolina, Camp Marywood. We Tommy and I were talking about it. We're like, well, we can't take the whole band. You can't play electric music oh, yeah. for kids. <laughs> you know, it's going to be... And we envisioned like sitting around a campfire for 25 mildly bored, polite campers. And we got up there and it was as different from our expectations as could have been. A, the, 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 the room we played was about the size of the 40 watt and, and a half with a huge stage, immaculate PA, great lighting. Oh my you know, gosh. It's where they do all the summer plays and things like that. And then the guy who's running the camp said, well, yeah, well, at 6.55, the girls are going to come in. I was like, well, you know, is it voluntary? So, well, sure, it's voluntary, but they'll all be here. And sure enough, <laughs> 655, 200. 10-year-old girls. 10, 10 to 12-year-old yeah. girls came in with their little camping chairs and sat down. And we started playing, and they started singing every song. They were just singing along. No. Even songs they didn't know. Yeah. You know, they just they just were paying so much close. So they were paying so much attention to it. Let's yeah. hear it. Let's hear okay, it. Ready? I don't know how okay. good we'll be able to grab it, but we'll try. No, it'll, it'll, it'll show You'll up. hear it. Oh my, that's a lot of girls. It was, that's two people standing on stage playing songs they'd never heard. On acoustic guitars. Yeah. <laughs> so, how fun. So how fun. that's how the Supernova Rainbow Band was yeah. born. Um, well, I loved it. Yeah. I wish you guys could have played later and not sweat so much, but, because it was hot. It was really, really hot. Yep. We sweated I, a lot. Yeah. I think we were, you know, you, you take the time slot they've got. I know. And, uh, I know. But, you know, who knows? Um, we've got a band now. And John Neff, who plays on the record, um, you know, he was part of Barbecue and um, played pedal steel on the album along with some other esteemed guests. So it's a natural to have him, you know, join the band when he can. Um, he played with us for the Athens show, the first benefit or the first crowdsourcing one. He couldn't go to Savannah because he had another show. But then he played another show with us in March, in March, and then this one. So, well, I loved it. I, I brought it to show Joe, and I was going to play it for my husband tonight because he says, "Oh, cool, you got a record." Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> see whatever. I've taken the plastic off. I of am it. actually yeah. going to ask you one more thing. Okay, it's a little weird, I guess, but not too weird, because I asked you at the beginning why Athens and your story of Athens, and you you guys have been. So great. I mean, I feel like I'm going to have to break bread with you soon or something. Well, that'd be fine. I, we, we haven't even touched on like 12 other albums that we've made, you know, so. You know, I think we could absolutely do that. But, you know, I think once people start hearing what you're talking about, I think they're going to be really interested in looking you guys up. I, I want to ask you what is, this is a weird, like I said, maybe a little weird. What is in your musical heart and soul right now? I want to play more. What do you want to play more? Just play. Just play and play and play. Yeah, I love playing you music. Want to be going in the in, in the in the casket playing. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I mean, I hope it's later instead of sooner. But well, we all do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to play, and I, I want to play with players. Um, and, well, that's what I mean. What. You just don't want to play. You you have to have music that's going to touch you. Yeah. I mean, don't it's, we all listen to music that really yeah, but just hits us in a certain way? Yeah, but it's not all. It doesn't hit you. Everything is not emotional. You know, some of it, the emotion is just being able to 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 
it doesn't matter what what style of music it is or if the song itself grabs you it's it's the communications between the players which is which is just as important or maybe more important because when you're playing when you're playing music with someone else and you're really listen cuz cuz you really have to listen and you really have to anticipate and understand what's going on with the, with that when you're playing with that other person so that you can react to them and so they can react to you and the, but the reaction time is instantaneous. Well, it's funny. To that end, um, I saw this great interview with David Byrne on um, 60 Minutes, um, very recent. Yeah. And he talked about the fact that he's really a very shy person. And the interviewer's like, well, how can that be? I mean, look at your persona. He's like, well, that's it. That's I can go out and, and communicate to people through that performance, through that music. And that's, that's how I communicate with people. And that's how I communicate best with people. I mean, I can mm-hmm. I can talk. I've learned some skills over the years on how to you know talk about stories and maybe tell a joke. But what I'm best at is nonverbal communication. Yeah, and that's what music is, if it's good. If and it's and good. and when I say playing with you know, it doesn't always have to be like super challenging music. Sometimes it's fun just to get with, together with your friends. And s- sit around and just take turns playing songs, mm-hmm. but you love your friends so much that that lets you non-verbally communicate with your friends. And if they sing along, it's even better. Yeah. I went to see, I, we, my husband and I went on a big vacation, and I went to see first, we started off our trip in Greenville, South Carolina at Peace Center, which I'd never been to. And it was Taj Mahal and Los Lobos. That sounds like an amazing show. It was. Yeah. That's those guys are. I, I saw <laughs> there's it. a reason I they're just legends. Was scanning mm-hmm. through and I said, oh, Mike, Mike, <laughs> running upstairs. You know, we gotta go, gotta go. So I said, Let's just go to Greenville and we'll start our trip then. And we did. Mm-hmm. But Tosh, 83 years old, sitting in there, and his voice, I'll play some after, just so you can see, just listening to him. And how clear his voice still was and how soulful. And it was just still everything I loved about Taj Mahal was still there. There was nothing gone, nothing. And I imagine that that's what you guys want to feel too. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. It is. It yeah. is. Fun fact, he made an album here in Athens with African musicians at John Keane's studio. And uh, that was probably about 10, 15 years ago. So. I think I read that actually. Yeah. I don't so, know where, so but he, I he think would, I recently read that. Maybe hmm. doing research about Athens. Yeah. And Los Lobos certainly played here. I mean, it, I just I adore both of those artists. So. Yep. Yes, yeah. we ha- it was wonderful. Yep. It was wonderful. Okay, guys, thank you so much for well, doing this. Well, thank you this. for putting together. Yeah, nice, you. nice yeah. to yeah. spend Man. time with Joe, you both. Yeah. Like I, I said, it. we're gonna have Joe to break Hill. bread or All something. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I become family very quickly. Yeah. Well. That's how you make friends. No, it is. It really is. And 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 music is such a good way to meet new friends. Yeah, truly so is. thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having us. We'll look forward to hearing you guys again soon. Yeah. Tell a friend. Counting on you. I want to thank my guest, William Tonks and Tommy Jordan, one more time. Gosh, that was a great conversation, and I truly loved talking to them. They were so much fun. I can't wait to go listen to them again. 
They play all the time around Athens, and if you haven't seen them, you should do that. But if you're not in Athens, you can find Tommy and William on the internet with their podcast, Mr. Wednesday. And anytime you hashtag Mr. Tonks, Mr. Jordan, you will find them. Thank you so much for listening to Athcast Music. I truly appreciate your listening. Please let me know if you have any suggestions or you want to hear about a musician here in Athens or maybe want to just make a comment. I'll take it. Thank you for listening. Yeah.